Good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Oz. It is Wednesday, the 22nd of June. I hope everybody is okay after a winter solstice yesterday. It really gets me to think about how I use my daylight hours, and uh, it's good to be on the other side and on the road to summer officially. You've never heard somebody speak about a short day as much as The sunset at 4.58pm. That's incredible. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about trans women and sport and have a meaningful, respectful discussion about that. But first, Sarah, what is making news headlines this morning? Well, we heard from Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe yesterday. He actually played down fears of a looming recession, saying that Australia's household businesses and fundamentals are still strong, which, quote, doesn't feel like a precursor to a recession. While speaking in Sydney, Lowe also said that he thinks inflation will reach 7% this year. The rate of inflation is currently at 5.1%. It was the state of origin battle of the budgets yesterday. Both New South Wales and Queensland released their budgets for the 22-23 financial years. First home buyers in New South Wales will now be able to swap paying stamp duty for a $400 annual levy and land tax, while the Queensland government committed $23.6 billion for healthcare, which Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk said would help us meet the growing demands of the system. Floods in northeastern India have killed at least 45 people and displaced more than 4.7 million, with unprecedented rainfall and flooding engulfing villages in the Assam region, while also destroying crops and homes. Over 1,400 relief camps have been set up for those displaced by the floods, with authorities estimating that 32 of Assam's 35 districts have been impacted. And today's good news, a Russian journalist has auctioned off his Nobel Peace Prize medal for 103.5 million US dollars this week, with all the money from the sale going towards helping refugees from the war in Ukraine. Dmitry Muratov, the editor-in-chief of independent newspaper Novaya Gazeta, was co-awarded the prize in 2021 for defending freedom of expression in Russia. On today's podcast, we are going to be talking about the trans community and about elite athletes. Now, neither Sam nor I are part of either of these communities. And we want to just say at the outset of this that it is a deeply personal and at times deeply debilitating conversation to be having, especially when it has been politicized time and time again. So we just encourage all our listeners to have respectful conversations if discussing this issue and that on both sides of what we'll call a debate for this sake, there are real people whose lives are being impacted every day. So let's keep that in mind as we talk about what has happened this week in terms of trans women and elite sport. So with that context, let's start by discussing what has actually made the headlines this week in the realm of trans sport participation and what that might mean for trans women wanting to compete in elite sports. Okay, so the first bit of news came on Monday morning following quite an extraordinary meeting of FINA. FINA is the global governing body for elite swimming competitions. At its Congress meeting, which coincided with the Swimming World Championships in Hungary, about 71% of member federations voted in favour of inserting a new policy that would restrict the participation of transgender women in elite women's sport. The new policy would require transgender women wanting to compete at FINA-organised women's events to prove that they haven't experienced male puberty beyond the physical development stages or before they turn 12, whichever is last. As I said, the policy was largely supported by the FINA Congress, with only 15% of members voting against the new rule and just over 13% abstaining from the vote. 
And does that mean that any trans women who don't satisfy these requirements would essentially be locked out of elite swimming? As it stands, yes, but FINA has said that shouldn't be the case moving forward. So during the Congress meeting, FINA President Hussein al-Masalam announced that a working group would be established to create an open category for transgender athletes at some of its biggest events. This would give some of the transgender athletes who have been excluded from women's events under this new policy the chance to still compete at an elite level. There's no further word on what this open category might look like, but the working group has apparently been asked to report back with its initial findings in the next six months. So hopefully by then we'll have a bit of a clearer picture of what these open categories might look like. And take me inside the room at this conference in Hungary. Who were the notable speakers that spoke on both sides of the debate? There are a couple. We heard from American Olympic champion Summer Sanders and FINA's executive director Brent Nowicki, but perhaps the most notably to us and our audience here was Australian swimmer Kate Campbell, who has been to four Olympic Games and has won as many gold medals. Campbell said that without fair competition, sport in its elite form would cease to exist. Okay, so now that we've covered the FINA angle of this, can you tell me about some of the backlash that FINA has received for the policy? So despite the relative ease as such which the new policy passed through FINA's Congress, multiple groups and organisations have voiced their opposition to the decision. The non-profit US-based LGBTQI athletic advocacy group called Athlete Ally released a statement in response to the new policy which they labelled as deeply discriminatory, harmful and unscientific. Anne Lieberman, who's the Director of Policy and Programs at that place, has said that the FINA rule would police the bodies of all women and will not be enforceable without seriously violating the privacy and human rights of any athlete looking to compete in the women's category. In looking a bit closer to home, we spoke to Equality Australia and asked for a comment from them. They called the decision by FINA a dangerous precedent that would, quote, have impacts on the human rights of all athletes and could also pose serious harm to both the intersex community and trans women. That's an interesting point you just mentioned about how this move by FINA might set a precedent for other sporting bodies to follow. Do we know how other organisations, both in Australia and around the world, have reacted to this news? There's been a lot of movement just in the past 24 hours on this, and it's showing that the new policy has certainly had an impact on other sporting organisations across the world. While bodies like World Athletics and FIFA, the international soccer body, have both said that they're undergoing a review of their transgender eligibility policies, the biggest piece of news in the wake of FINA's decision has been from Rugby League's international governing body. So we were sitting yesterday talking about the FINA decision as we got word from the International Rugby League body that they had basically followed suit. So the IRL has banned transgender athletes from international women's events until, quote, further research is completed. And at that point, they say they'll implement a formal transgender policy. As the FINA policy was passed only about 48 hours ago, there's still a pretty good chance that new rules from other global sporting bodies will continue to come in, pending internal reviews of their participation and eligibility requirements. But that International Rugby League decision did come ahead of the World Cup. Now, a little earlier, I mentioned World Athletics. Their president, Sebastian Coe, has already come out in support of FINA's decision and has said that it was in the best interests of the sport, and he added that if we ever get pushed into a corner where we're making a judgment about fairness or inclusion, I will always fall down on the side of fairness. On the flip side of that, Australia's first elite transgender runner, Ricky Coughlin, has labelled FINA's approach as simplistic, 
and said that there's great diversity among transgender women and this fails to take that into account. Speaking to the ABC, Coughlin said, I think a sport ought to be able to have an understanding of the physical parameters that women bring to their sport or sporting code and apply those tests to any transgender woman who might put their hand up to participate in elite sport. It does seem that athletes themselves are divided over the decisions of both the IRL and FINA. Some are saying it's a victory for fairness. Others are saying it's simplistic. What's important in both contexts is to have that respectful discussion, and that's what we're hoping to see from our sporting codes and our sports leaders. That's all we've got time for on today's edition of The Daily Oz. Have a fantastic hump day, and we'll speak to you tomorrow.